Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Retirement is often seen as a destination, but we believe it's an opportunity to pursue your passions, realize your dreams, and live a purposeful life. Great decisions, incredible lives. Retire with Intention podcast is about more than just money. It's about embracing the things that truly matter, the experiences, the relationships, and the impact you leave behind. Here is your host, John Creekmer. Well, everybody, welcome back to Great Decisions and Incredible Lives. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, we're going to be covering, as we do every single uh, week, every single episode we drop, just what are those big decisions? And so today, so excited to have Jeff with us. Jeff Hauke, he's uh, uh, someone that you're going to learn a lot from today. And uh, hey, Jeff, first question for me. You are a Central Illinois guy. Biggest question in Central Illinois is Cubs or Cardinals? Full-blooded Cubs fan. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and amend what I said before. Jeff knows nothing <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, if you're not from Illinois, that's a, that's an argument. It's kind of the Hatfields of McCoys. It's uh it's the ongoing debate of which which program is the better program in baseball, but uh, it kind of ties Central Illinois together. So interesting, Jeff and I, we didn't even know it until we started talking. We were actually um, growing up about 10 minutes apart. And so uh, it's just kind of crazy uh, how we're all connected in different ways. But um, so excited to have Jeff here. We're going to walk through a lot of things that really focus upon what I believe to be that foundational cornerstone of anybody in retirement. And folks, remember, uh, it doesn't matter what your asset level is. Some folks really have this idea of uh, getting to a certain number. Once I get to a certain number of assets, then I'm in great shape. But really, without income, there really is no retirement. And so we're going to be talking about that, how that applies to a lot of people. And, um, and so we're going to hop right into that. But Jeff is a seasoned professional in the field of retirement planning with over 15 years of experience managing the state of Illinois retirement system pension plans. Since 2014, he's served as the Associate Executive Secretary for the State Retirement Systems, and that's an organization that oversees a three-state-funded retirement system. And in this capacity, he manages the retirement plans with fiduciary oversight and serves as the Principal Advisor to the system's executive secretary and jeff i'm so so excited to have you with us today well thank you for the invitation it's good to be here and uh anytime i can help shed light on uh what appears to be complicated subject matter um, i'm happy to do so and jeff you said from time to time that you get a chance to speak before uh some of the state legislators in the house and the senate so Hopefully, uh, hopefully we will not grill you as badly as sometimes they do. I'm sure. So, uh, <laughs> and if you do, that's that's okay. I'm used to it. So, <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, I'm going to start off with a, with really kind of a foundational question. And so, can you explain the main difference between the tier one retirement and tier two retirement plans that are offered to the uh, they're in the SERS program, the State Employee Retirement System? Sure. Uh, basically, uh, the Tier 2 plan was created for anybody that first enters the system on or after January 1st of 2011. So we're 12 years into that uh, that program. We have 
about half of our membership is in tier one, half is in tier two, which breaks out about 30,000 of each. And and by membership, I'm talking the, the folks actively contributing. Really the biggest difference, in my opinion, is obviously the, the second tier of benefits was created to reduce the plan's liability. And uh, it, it certainly has done that. Really the biggest difference as far as the mem- a member's benefit goes is a tier one member in, in the state Retire or state employees retirement system, there's a couple different retirement eligibility events. They can either retire uh, when their age plus service equals 85. That's known as the rule of 85. They can retire at age 60 with eight years of service, or they can retire uh, anytime after 55 as long as they have 25 years of service. But there is a reduction to their benefit, uh, basically equals 6% per year under that your age is under age 60 when you retire. There's also the alternative formula plan, which covers folks within uh, either law enforcement or the correctional positions. They can retire as early as age 50, provided they have 25 years of service in such a position, or as early as age 55 with 20 years. Hmm. Switching over to tier two, tier two folks, they can retire as early as age 62, with 10 years of service, but there is a 6% reduction to your annuity for every year that you're under age 67 when you begin that annuity, or you can retire at age 67 with no reduction. The uh, folks in the uh, law enforcement alternative formula plan that are tier two, they can retire as early as age 55 with 20 years. And then those that are in the correctional industry or correctional positions, they can retire at age 60 with 20 years. The other big difference, financial difference, I'd say, is uh, the what we call the automatic annual increase, or is what they're commonly referred to as COLAs. Uh, the automatic annual increases for tier one members, those are generally paid following the, the your uh, anniver- your first anniversary date on the j- January 1st following your first anniversary date, and it's 3% compounded interest on top of your previous year's annuity. Tier two folks, they're not getting their first automatic annual increase until the January 1st that follows their 67th birthday. And it's equal to the increase is, is a simple in- interest, meaning it's always calculated on the starting pension. And it's the, the actual rate is equal to the lesser of 3% or one half the increase to the consumer price index. So I'll tell you what, man, there is a lot of complexity and differences between tier one and tier two. And I know we have listeners and followers actually send us messages. You know, they always are asking this question saying, how in the world do I figure out you know, where we're at. So the first one, tier one and tier two, that really has to do as far as when you enter the system, right? Correct. And then from there, it all is on the personal calculations. And so whenever we kind of think about that and some of the challenges that they have brought up, what are some challenges that you see that employees face in trying to understand their retirement benefit? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's good job security for me because these plans are, as I'd like to call them, unnecessarily complicated, but really Really, the key items to remember is, and some things that are similar between tier one and tier two, is you need to understand your benefit multiplier. So most of us, like myself, we're in the regular formula 
plan that's coordinated with Social Security. So we're contributing 4% of our earnings to SERS. And then each year that we serve, we build up a 1.67% accrual. And how that works is by the time you finish your career with the state, we look at your years of service, we multiply it by 1.67%. And then whatever sum is produced, 35%, we then take that 35% and multiply it by your final average salary calculation. And for tier one members in the regular formula, that is your highest four consecutive years of pay within your last 10 years of employment. Folks in the alternative formula generally retire with that same calculation, but if their salary rate is higher than their four-year salary average, that can be used to calculate against the uh, the percentage. So basically, you want to know, you want to keep tabs of what your salary is, uh, particularly a four-year average your years of service, and the benefit multiplier plan that you're in. Now, for Tier 2 folks, final average salary calculation um, consists of your highest consecutive eight years of salary within your final 10 years. So that's another way the benefit for a Tier 2 member is going to be lower than than a Tier 1 in the same salary and service dynamic. Right. So with the members, they all have different uh, inputs, things to be aware of. Are there some specific ways that SERS educates the members uh, as far as with the different options and the way things are structured? Do they have different methods of education? Yeah, and and I do recommend uh, fo- for folks to go out on our website. Uh, the handbook is going to be the best source of information because it's all right there. It's uh, we have different handbooks for different uh, the different plans. There's also various fact sheets. We also out- offer outreach events, and you know we provide a schedule on coming or when the ones are the next ones are coming up we offer ones uh you know basically folks that have vested but are still five plus years from retirement but really the most impactful seminars that we offer are the ones who are getting close to retirement or become retirement eligible um, and certainly once you get to that timeline you know once you get to two being two to three years away from retirement that's probably uh, when you're going to want to schedule to attend one of those events and and there you know we've got a pretty robust staff of uh, field service representatives or counselors. They're the ones out there uh, providing these seminars. And I think we even have a, uh, we have some webinars available on our website that kind of gives members a sense as to the topics discussed at these mm-hmm. events. Jeff, are you for the Midwest? Are you a football fan? I am. Go Bears. Are you? Bear down. <laughs> go Bears. There we go. Hey, so the Bears have struggled as of late once they get to the red zone. Um, <laughs> for everyone that's listening, what is the red zone? The red zone is anything within the 20, 20 goal or 20 yard line opposing teams feel side of the field. So it's, it's incredible. I mean, if you look at a football game, whether it's NFL, college, high school, down to peewee or whatever, the teams that have the most success, once they get to that red zone, and that red zone, like Jeff said, is that 20-yard line all the way to the end zone, the ones that can score a touchdown at the highest percentage of times there, they have the highest probability of winning the game. Or if they get a field goal instead of a touchdown, well, that decreases the probability of winning. So that last 20 yards is critical to make sure that we accomplish getting into the end zone. And retirement planning is the exact same thing. 
Uh, oftentimes, folks look at retirement planning, you know, they're 25 or 30 years old. And man, it's so important to make sure you get started off on the right foot and, you know, you understand your plan, how to maximize it. But really, when you're within those last five years before you retire, your income is critical to get lined up properly. Working extra hours is important if you can to bump up pay. Doing different things to actually make sure you understand your benefits for the last five years. You want to get it right because if you don't, uh, man, you're, you're leaving money on the table, quite honestly, for the benefits that you've worked for all these years. So that retirement red zone is critical. You know, Jess brought up a couple of key resources for uh, for different employees inside their pension plan when it comes to the uh, the website as far as to get the different booklets for the different plans. Also, you mentioned different workshops that you guys have available. As far as the workshops and the outreach, is that also on the website, Jeff? Yeah, yep. And, and a member has the ability to, uh, every member has the ability to establish a an online account within our website that, uh, you know, everything is secure, but uh, they're able to access key information of their account, but they're also able to identify upcoming events these seminars or webinars, events, whatever you would like, or whatever we call them, that's how they can sign up for these events as well. Do they also have access like, to a retirement coordinator or someone that could help them, a real live person? They can help yeah. them walk through it, figure out information. Yes, and and quite frankly, uh, you know, somebody like myself who's 18 years, I think I become eligible to retire at 18 years, and that's I'm I'm a tier one member. But uh, I I do recommend that if you're going to meet with a counselor, the, the most important information or the folks that are going to get the most value out of meeting with a counselor are those that are in, as you say, the red zone for their retirement date, just because that's when things start to crystallize. Because like for myself, it's hard to project what my salary level is mm-hmm. going to be 15, 18 years from now. But once you're know, once you dialed in to retire within five years, coming up with an estimate of, of your starting level is fairly simple to do on our end. Yeah, for sure. So I would say if you're within those three years, five years, but definitely two to three years, if you have not connected as far as online with your plan administrator or with a a representative to get you the information, you're going to want to do that right away. Because there's some things I know even during you know a season in which we had a pandemic, there was a lot of people that had sick leave, they had some vacation time and stuff like that. And so, as a matter of fact, now that I brought that up and we're thinking about that, how does sick leave, how does it affect the formula? Yeah, good question. So, um, pretty much any more folks when they're leaving state service, all their sick time is unpaid, but all that time can be converted at no charge to the member into service credit. And essentially, it's every twenty day or every twenty one days of service credit, unused sick time, gets adds another month of service to your calculation. So you're building up the service component of your pension calculation, and then vacation time. How it works is obviously that's paid when you separate from service. You'll be given paperwork by, or a member would be given paperwork from their agency denoting how much unused vacation time they'll receive. And if you choose to have retirement contributions deducted from that payment, then the same conversion rate applies every 21 days of unused or every tw- or for every 21 unused vacation days that you have, you add or leverage an additional month of service credit. It's important to remember that 
even though you're paid for that vacation time, the payout does not count towards the final average compensation calculation. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're, we're dealing with some situations where employers tried to hide the, the vacation payout time mm -hmm. in order to boost mm -hmm. FAC. Plan doesn't mm -hmm. permit that. So uh, that's another thing to remember. You can boost your service credit from the unused vacation pay, but it does not increase the uh, the FA the what we call the final average compensation calculation or the FAC as I like to call it. So I mean the, the rules are in place, and so everything is structured out, and even things you know as far as on what can be calculated and what cannot be calculated is pretty much all there listed inside the booklet from uh, from what I've researched and looked at and helping folks walk through that. And so tremendous resource even to find out the rules as far as on vacation time and sick leave and the way that that should be in there. Now, whenever a person gets to that point and they're going to be heading off into that next stage of life that we call retirement. So they're heading that way and they've got to make some decisions. Um, so with retirees then, what are their choices when it comes to the the pension options available to them is it all paid out just to, and then if they pass away that they're married their spouse gets nothing or, or how does all that work Not another good question um there are many different components to uh mention and in fact we have additional options that were created back in 2018 uh you've probably seen some of or you've probably heard mm -hmm. familiar with it the cola buyout as we call it or mm -hmm. the total buyout i'll kind of put those on the back burner so somebody goes to retire essentially they have three options uh they can either take a refund of what they've contributed. If you've qualified for a retirement benefit, I, I can't offer advice, but you, mm -hmm. nobody would, would want to take a refund if you're eligible for a retirement annuity. Uh, you can collect, you can begin receiving a retirement annuity, which is based on the statutory, the calculation is determined based on the statutory formula I previously described. What's nice about that option is it's a guaranteed stream of income payable for the rest of your life. And it's subject to to increases, or you can take what's known as the total buyout payment. Um, and basically, you're, you're cashing in your retirement benefit in exchange for a lump sum payment that's essentially equal to 60% of today's value of your future retirement benefit. A nice thing about that option is that you retain access to the state's uh, insurance program, even if you take that option. In addition to the total buyout, there's the COLA buyout, which is, like I said, it's been around since 2018. And basically, these th those cost of living increases that I've described, if you're a tier one member, you can receive a lump sum payment in lieu of those 3% compounded increases. That's equal to 70% of today's value of the difference between the tier one COLA value and the tier two COLA value. So you get a lump sum payment. I think the average COLA buyout payment is approximately $117,000. And I think we've issued approximately 3,000 of those since the program's begun. I think a reason a lot of people like that is you're still going to get a, an increase or an automatic annual increase. Even if you take that payment, it just will be equal to the tier two automatic annual increase, which is mm. the simple interest that doesn't begin until age 60, the January file following your 67th birthday. You know, whenever I'm listening to you speak about all the different ways of doing that, you know, it just reminded me again how every single 
individual is unique. And uh, you had mentioned you can't give you know advice or recommendation of those things. Well, that's because you can't give a blanket recommendation. I mean, everyone's different. I mean, so think about it. If you have a personal health history, which uh, doesn't lead to a long life, um, you may make a different decision of what's best for you and your family um, than someone who um, has really a strong health history and genetics that'll push them into their hundreds. Or maybe you are you know married to somebody and there is a an age gap of 20 years there. Um, you may make a different decision than someone who is single. And so I think that the way you look at this is that every situation is unique. Uh, you have the blessing of having um, SIRS there as far as on a, to give you options on retirement income. But the way you structure it is unique for yourself. That's why it's critical to make sure you get the knowledge uh, by looking at the plans, looking at the booklets, um, and then also talking with a professional from the state that's able to give you the information, but then working with a, a financial advisor, where, wherever they may be, your tax advisor, maybe as a financial planner, a wealth advisor that has the ability to actually give you some statistical probabilities and, and bring together everything, which would be um, your guaranteed income sources plus the assets you've saved over the years. It's it's not it's not it's, it's an individual decision. It's not it's some big thing. You can make a decision at the water cooler uh, doing what your coworker did. And so you want to make sure that you get it straight. Now, the other thing I was thinking about, what happens, Jeff, if someone selects an option? Let's just say they get divorced before they actually go ahead and file for their benefits. What happens to that um, to their spouse in that situation? Yeah, and and I'm glad you. Gl- uh, one of the things I didn't mention is survivor benefits, death benefits, mm-hmm. and then the the scenario you're describing is potential quildro or divisions of benefit under quildro. So let's mm-hmm. survivor benefits, generally speaking, are. 50% of what the member was receiving at the time of their death or earned at the time of their death, that benefit is subject to uh, offset by the amount the survivor may be receiving in the form of Social Security survivor benefits. There is an option, speaking of options, there's an option if a member goes to retire and he's, you know, his, his spouse, uh, his or her spouse doesn't have much Social Security credits to their own service and it's like likely they're going to receive a survivor benefit from social security that's greater than the retirement pensions they they the, that surviving spouse would have received they're most likely going to want to elect what's known as the social security offset removal which eliminates any potential offset but generally speaking survivor benefits half of of what the member was receiving or what they earned especially if you elect the offset removal the most common type of survivor is a, is a spouse but eligible children include minor children or children, or I should say sons or daughters that remain in school up to age 22, or if uh, there's a disabled, or if them if there's a surviving disabled dependent uh, son or daughter over age 22, they're eligible for survivor benefits. And survivor, when I say survivor benefits, I'm talking about a survivor annuity that's payable for that survivor's um, life. Uh, assuming it's the spouse, if it's a child, it's only payable until the child ages off the benefit, which most of the case is age 22. And then you've got death benefits, which is a lump sum benefit. And usually the only time death benefits are payable, like a significant death benefit is payable, is is when the member dies while in active service or dies shortly after retirement and they haven't exhausted the amount that was contributed um, as an employee during their active service. The, the scenario you brought up is Quildro, which <laughs> I spend a lot of my 
my time on because we, we see a lot of unique potential scenarios there. Um, but basically, if you divorce at any point, whether it's during active service or in retirement, you can provide a portion um, of your retirement benefit, or I sh- let me put it this way, a portion of your retirement benefit can be divided and provided to an ex-spouse. And and generally how it works is they look at the marital period, periods of, of active service in which the member and, and ex-spouse were married, determine the a portion of the benefit that was earned during that period, and then it's generally split in half um, or a, some other type of percentage that's determined by the parties and approved by the, the courts. That's called, a, I forget the, it's like Qualified Illinois Domestic Relations Order, but mm-hmm. we just refer to it as Quildro. It's nice having the short one. It kind of is, it's a mouthful to say all of it together. Hey, one of the things, Jeff, we hear from a lot of people, whether they have a, a corporate pension plan, which is not a lot of those anymore, um, or they have a county or state plan or some variation of that, or they have a federal plan, or they even have talk about Social Security. Um, they asked the question of what's, you know, where are things at from a financial stability standpoint? Um, is the money even going to be there? So I say without, maybe question would be without talking specifically about the state of Illinois, just more of a general statement. What are your thoughts on that question? So I'll speak, I'll focus more on the governmental plans, full disclosure, myself, my wife, I've got my, my mother's a retired teacher. I've got so, a couple cousins in the system. I sleep well at night knowing the money's going to be there. And for not only myself, but for my wife and family members, and, and all of them are in Illinois plans. And as you know, Illinois is one of the, uh, their systems, at least the state funded systems are some of the most poorly funded in, in all the country. And in fact, I think every one of them right now is currently under 50%. But it's important to know that you know, the state of Illinois generates $70 billion of revenue per year. And the state has really taken a prudent approach to funding pension plans. They've been doing so since the la- over the last 14 fiscal years, they've been making the full, actually it's longer than that. Really, the last time they took a true pension holiday was oh, about 20 years ago. So they have been making the full certified contribution. Of course, many argue that the certified contribution method does not meet strict governmental accounting standard standards, I should say, but it's still, you know, an, an amount that covers the the benefit payments in a given year that allows us to, you know, we, we you know, SERS, we have $24 billion in the portfolio that's leveraging earnings. So, um, and it's another important thing. I'm not a, a bankruptcy mm. law expert, but states can't file bankruptcy. So here in Illinois, the Supreme Court has told us, I think Sklodowsky versus, I forget who the other party was. It's also oftentimes simply referred to as the Sklodowsky case. Mm. Basically, the, the court said the state is not obligated to follow any type of particular funding plan, but they are 100 percent hundred percent responsible for the liabilities accrued under that plan. So mm-hmm. given uh, those three key components, that Supreme Court ruling, the re- the amount of revenue generated, and the fact that the state can't file bankruptcy, I rest uh, well at night knowing my future retirement income will be there for my 
myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And I think, Jeff, I think you said it very well. It's really a matter of making sure that everybody gets to a comfort level. And uh, a lot of it is by education. It's about informing themselves, by talking with people such as yourself and, and listening to the facts, the real facts that are out there. There's a lot of facts that aren't, aren't real anymore, right? But listening to the real facts that are out there from a trusted source such as uh, this podcast to make sure you have good information that you're able to act on to put yourself and your family really a tremendous stability. And so make sure you want to get those. And then, Jeff, I do also look at my clock and it's like, wow, uh, I can't believe that 25, 30 minutes go by so fast. And and so be respectful of your time. And is there anything that we've not talked about uh, that you really think, boy, it'd be really great, critical for me to get this one point out there? Or do you think well, we covered pretty much the things we need to? Yeah. And 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 this is uncoerced, but we, we tend to stay out of the spotlight. We've got enough on our plate, but I, you know, I, I was appreciative of, a, I appreciate your services. I think what you guys do is very key for every, you know, not just public employee retirees or those about to retire, but anybody, because, um, you know, I've, I've seen how confused folks can be not only on the retirement side of things, but just how even taxes work. It's important that you're following a trusted advice, like a, you know, a licensed planner, um, because they really can can keep keep folks away or keep folks out of any potential trouble they might get in with the IRS or any other type of regulatory body or taxing body. Um, we oftentimes point members, well, because the retirement system, we're not tax experts. Mm-hmm. People need to consult those. Um, so I do think uh, following your advice mentioned earlier, especially as it relates to retirement planning, estate planning, you know, seek qualified advisors. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. That's just really great counsel for everyone to hear. Uh, hey, before we sign off, one last question for you. If you could spend 15 minutes with anybody that's ever been living or is currently living right now, just to have a conversation and learn from them, who would it be and why? And that's a great question. And I think I knew the answer immediately, especially as a Civil War buff, probably be U.S. Grant. Just his leadership, just the fact that he was an underdog. uh, I think he was like, what, 26 out of 31 cadets of his class at West mm-hmm. Point, and he ended up being a big, you know, he, he he was probably one of the most three influential people that kept the union together, and nobody would have bet on him to begin with. And, and I kind of, you know, that's the type of leader I want to be is somebody that's in the trenches with their men and or with their workforce and, and mm-hmm. fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah, great answer. And the phenomenal leader, uh, that it's so much for our country. And so, uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you being with us here today. And thank you so much for the information. Such a, a phenomenal source. And uh, for all the listeners today, check out the show notes to find out more information on Jeff and also links um, into the site to find more information about SERS uh, and other resources that you want to have as far as uh, going forward and getting knowledge to do quality planning. And so, Jeff Hauck, thank you so much for being with us today. And folks, you've been listening to Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention. We'll talk to you all later. Thank you again for listening to The Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention podcast with host John Creekmer. Follow us on social media, visit our website, and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. Please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement. 